This is Overture, the Prelude Podcast. Welcome to the Prelude Podcast. My name is Chris Willis, and I'm a researcher here at Prelude. Hi, I'm Alex Manners, and I'm a security engineer at Prelude. And I am Samuel Bartholomew, and I am a security engineer. So today, um, we're not going to do the standard questions since we don't have any special guests today. Um, but one of the things we wanted to talk about um, is the economy is definitely uh, changing, <laughs> and uh, to say the least. Um, and we thought it would be uh, cool to talk about our experiences on um, cybersecurity and how that pertains to the economy when it's good, when it's bad. And then also to kind of talk about like what's going to be in like the next 12 months. Um, I think everybody has like that worry or, um, or the concern of what will happen, uh, between now and 12, even 36 months out. So, uh, I thought we would, we would talk about that, um, and sort of have a round table discussion about it. Uh, and, uh, so yeah. Um, so kind of to start it off, um, a statistic that I think is kind of interesting. So cybersecurity attacks have increased by 31% since last year. Um, and that's a huge number. Um, so that was from Accutenture, by the way. Um, but that's just a really large number. Um, and uh, of course, it will probably get worse. And as we potentially come into an economic downturn, it's even more of a uh, situation where we might see more cybersecurity attacks as uh, more nation states and more people of opportunity look at this as a potential for decreasing budgets and skeleton crews and uh, and people not having the resources that they need. Um, so I think that that's uh, uh, extremely um, worrisome, but also interesting as we look for the next 12 months. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, when it comes to spending money, it's usually like security being treated as a cost center. And, and it goes back to a conversation we've had many times, which is how can you change that perspective in your company of security strictly being a cost center and show security as something that is actually impactful to the business and and tying the security to something that is profit generating so you're not necessarily seen as a cost center you're seen as a necessity as part of what they are doing as part of those revenue generating functions and it, it's very interesting i pulled up some stats as here as well from the past few year uh, past decade now which is crazy to say 2013 was almost a decade ago but Back in 2013, uh, Gartner estimated that we were spending $15 billion a year in the U.S. And that spending has continued to go up, but it's not like the attacks are going down or even being less impactful. I would say we've seen some of the more devastating cybersecurity attacks in recent years than than we saw in 2013 or earlier, at least inside the U.S. So I'd be... I'd be interested in figuring out um, the increase in attacks, how much they attribute to 
that's actually people now reporting that they've been attacked, right? Because I'm sure that that plays into the statistic before. Uh, maybe maybe security's gotten better, right? And we just now can actually detect attacks more. So that's why um, that number went up. It's quite possible. Um, it, it, it's funny because like you look at it, right? And you, security um, mechanisms and all the products, everything, you know, have continued to... Um, I wouldn't, I don't necessarily say get better, but have continued to advance. Um, so like I said, I, I wonder if how much that actually plays into a role into that, like 31%. But it, it seems that, um, with even with those, uh, with the attacks and how you brought up, like, um, it being a security, not being able to see, um, or, Sorry, security, not uh, something that is uh, preferred treatment when it comes to the budget and everything like that. But I, that kind of goes into like IT in general, right? Is like IT is always that thing that it's like, and no one cares about the IT unless it doesn't work, right? Like when it works, no, like it's, everything's good. And the second it breaks, that's when everybody, uh, everything hits the fan. So right, security is a lot like that. It's right. It's, it's all good until you get attacked. And once you get attacked, yeah. We probably should have spent more. Yeah. You might be onto something there. There's a logical fallacy somewhere in there of like, or statistical fallacy of assuming that attacks are increasing when it's really just visibility has increased and therefore we can see the attacks. And actually, I just got the number for 2011 or 2021. So not even a decade on. If you had to guess what the estimated spend was, on global cybersecurity from 15 billion in 2013 what was it what it was in 2021 ooh definitely probably like the 5 trillion mark <laughs> 5 trillion what do you think so, wait what was it in 20 in... it was 15 billion estimated in 2013 is this is this like um uh like uh attacks Global spending I, on like, cybersecurity, just global I'd say, spending. I'd say maybe tripled. Probably not that high. Probably around. Yeah, tripled. yeah, it's tripled. So you'd yeah, say forty-five million. million. One hundred fifty billion. So I mean, ten x, <laughs> which is crazy. And and the uh, cumulative spending. This is the crazier one. This is according to Data Prize. Cumulative spending could be as high as one point seven five trillion by twenty twenty five. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's so. That number sounds really high, right? But then there's also statistic that you know cybercrime has is is basically by twenty twenty five is you know essentially a ten point five trillion dollar business. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, only 10% maybe uh, at its highest point, which is kind of insane. <laughs> um, so like the, the, the spending is only going to increase. And uh, I also think about like, you know, that statistic for 2013 that you talked about, like it's not, it's not just like it, even going back to our, our previous podcast of talking about CTS and the sophistication of CTS and specifically challenges, it's the same thing that's going just with anything with cybercrime in general. Like the sophistication of even the lowest of criminals has increased drastically 
uh, even within the last 10 years, but every 10 years that we've gone through since the 90s, essentially, there's been such a level of sophistication uh, that has increased exponentially. And that's why we see things that are like crazy out there, like just Hertzbleed like came out yes uh, a few days ago, I think. And like, you can't patch that. <laughs> um, uh, so if somebody wanted to to go after that and 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 create some attack that would uh, hurt a business um, in some way, like there's not much you can do about it. Um, you just kind of have to hope that you don't get hit. <laughs> uh, which yeah, is I think it depends a lot, you know, on the tooling to figure out um, just these keeping up with the new techniques, right? Like that's the, that's the other thing is um, trying to think the, uh, what was the Microsoft one that just came out? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the one that allows like um, a malicious, like HTML file or whatever that can go ahead and execute code. It was unpatched for a little. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Like, that's, like yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I love seeing those things because it, to me, it's like, man, how long has that been, being used in the wild and like like it's 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 insane to think that right like that that something like that has probably been around for years and like i wonder if you i mean granted people don't do logging as much as they should in their uh, environments but it would be cool to like go back through and see like how many people detected after the fact that like hey oh wow that's weird um somebody ran somebody ran the command that, that did that but yeah and, and uh and obviously, I think so. Fleona, uh, I think it was used uh, somewhere uh, mainland China <laughs> is where that was mostly being used. Um, and and those we've we've seen it in the past with other exploits that they get really mad when things get patched, <laughs> um, and they make they make it known. Um, and so uh, uh, it's it's interesting um, that. Uh, every time things like that come up and we know that they've been there for years uh, and it just so happens now they just get patched uh, of what other things are there um, and the things that we're not looking at um, and uh, why, uh, especially coming into potentially an economic downturn or a recession or whatever that's going to be. And knowing that in the last the last recessions from this from IT and security and how it's considered a sort of a a profit loss that's <laughs> a cost center um, that uh, uh, they turn into skeleton crews or they tell turn into uh, very low budgets and the level of sophistication has only gotten higher that uh, tools are incredibly important not just people but like people of course the more people you have, the better, right? Um, but tools are also important because there's no way uh, you're you can cover all the surface area, um, especially today. Um, and tools will end up being uh, it's your funny best that friend. You, that you brought up like people because like the, the thing is is like and I was thinking about this the the other night actually it was kind of funny I was like I wonder if there's a statistic for during um, economic downturns whether or not. Um, uh, insider threat goes up in the companies, right? Because 
like, let's say that people's jobs are being cut, right? Or, you know, oh, you know that a layoff's occurring, right? Like, are people willing then to take uh, additional risks and, you know, um, do something that might hurt the employer, things like that? Like, I, I, I wish there was more statistics on it, but it's probably one of those things that like, you don't probably, uh, not many people are going to report like, oh yeah, we had an insider threat, right? Because I mean, that's like by far one of the worst things you can probably have at a company is. That's sort of a new like thing too, right? Like mm-hmm. obviously insider threat's always been a thing, uh, but it's a new thing that's been on the radar that's, mm-hmm. you know, probably like the last decade or so that's been more and more talked about insider threats, especially from the cybersecurity level where that statistic mm-hmm needs to happen um and, and like but unfortunately it, it it you only get those statistics when you have an economic downturn or you have something where it's like oh yeah like this is happening um yeah that's yeah most people are not going to correlate that data uh, which yeah, is unfortunate it, it's it's definitely <laughs> i think one of those things it's like you, you were where people are always so um concerned about like the technical uh exploitation of companies, but not necessarily looking at, um, the, the, the people also that work there. And, uh, I mean, hopefully, like you said, hopefully that statistic will eventually come out. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I think it, I think it'll be a surprise because like, cause like I said, I mean, it's definitely, you have to look at pushback from companies. I mean, the, well, there was a big company, just the cyber company the other day that like laid off, like 20% or something like that of their workforce. And they were valued like extremely high. Um, and, and it's that type of thing that you're like, it, that's like laying off that many people. That's a scary thing. Right. Especially when they do, when they do security. So it's, yeah. 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 I think that might have, I, I, yep. yeah, I yeah, that that might have been the, cyber. Yeah. I think that, that's what it was um yeah like uh, the the thing too is like when you talk about layoffs like i think of the mm. tesla thing that what happened when we talk about like layoffs and uh being uh um sort of uh <laughs> insider threat <laughs> i think of that scenario where it's like the your messaging matters and um and having a message that's essentially like we don't want to pay for uh, 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 packages mm-hmm. for people to be, you know, laid off. Uh, so we're just going to say, hey, like we're going to make everybody work in the office, which has been a uh, a very uh, hot topic, <laughs> uh, especially lately. And uh, people are more inclined to work from home now. And that's their, they've centered their life around working from home. And when you tell people to move into the office and there's like, nah, nah, fam. <laughs> and so they leave um, as a way of cutting your workforce. I think that's uh, pretty naive <laughs> um, and just sets a bad precedence because, you know, other companies are going to do that. They're going to try it. And uh, insider threat uh, is definitely something <laughs> um, as companies if companies are not looking at that, especially in those in those companies that take that route, like I think that they uh, will be sorely mistaken. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, it seems like that's a new way of trying to get people to move on. Um, and that's, that's really pretty common, though. It, I feel like we've seen that a lot. It's it, always it, there's something. always yeah. <laughs> uh, tipping and queuing 
there's always something out there that's indicating. And as we were talking about this insider threat stuff, something that I just thought of that I'm sure it's being done, but like the internet has gone through over its generations, uh, this massive way of tracking users via cookies and like how analytics are being developed. I wonder if anybody has taken that same kind of like mixed panel analytic thing and used it to do internal user behavior tracking and then just look for like track your users the way you would standard analytics, but then you can look for anomalous behaviors based off whatever their baseline is inside your company. I wonder if anybody's doing that. I'm sure it's somebody is, but I don't know of a product off the top of my head. The Google and Facebooks yeah. of the world. <laughs> Literally, like, can you... It's like, instead of using the analytics to watch your customers and apply that same, like, an analytic infrastructure internally on your users and then use that to baseline people in your organization. It's, it's funny that you, you brought that up because like it, it made me think yeah. about when you, when you, uh, Chris mentioned, you know, work from home and stuff. And uh, I, once again, I wonder the statistics on, um, because I always go from like, I'm an attacker, right? So like, what, what am I going to do, right? And it's like, with people working from home, I mean, think about how much easier it is to get into a company if somebody's working from home. Uh, you know, like, and the thing is, is like, like, how would you go up people? Like, how would you go about it? Right. It's like, uh, if I sit outside a company's Wi-Fi, right. And I look up Mac addresses, I can go to Weigel or whatever, whatever, how you pronounce the thing and type in their Mac addresses, right. See where else they've been located on the map. Um, look at coffee shops that they visit, maybe their home, follow them around and then attempt to get into a company via their home network compared to, uh, actually attacking the company. But it, it, using like those data analytics and like where people were and like advertising IDs, things like that. Like it's it definitely, I know there are businesses out there, but I think most of them are, uh, uh, targeting like government customers and not necessarily, um, uh, private sector stuff. Sure. But that also goes back to the whole problem in, in the first place, which is private sector is being told install a million different things on your computer to be secure and it doesn't work <laughs> which is a kind of <laughs> yeah <laughs> kind of like the problem in a nutshell we're installing a bunch of shit on computers and it's not actually doing anything or if it's doing something it's only doing something very minimal oh, it's doing something it's making forensics people's a nightmare when they try to try to figure out what's going on on the box <laughs> like, like, <laughs> It, we have dude, too it's much so data. bad. Like when I did, yeah, <laughs> when I did friends, it was so bad. Like the amount of times you see like one product fighting another product and like, like putting it in like the jail and you're like, oh, this thing went to jail. It must be bad. And you're like, oh wait, no, that was just another product getting pissed off that they're reading the same registry key. And it's like, yeah, straight to yeah. jail. Fun times. I think this brings up a, a interesting topic that I think, um, could very well happen. Um, it seems that there's uh, in the market, especially now, there's a lot of consolidation and uh, especially around tech uh, and many of tech areas, uh, there's a lot of consolidation going. And I think some of that has to do with uh, just uh, big tech having a lot of cash and they're like, well, we're losing seven to 10 percent of our cash flow every every month, <laughs> every few months. Um, and so we need to spend it. Uh, but I also see this as uh, something where smaller companies, medium-sized companies are worried about mm -hmm. 
being able to pay for their people. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're using bigger companies as a way of using that cash flow. And bigger companies are saying, well, we're getting a lot more people and we're getting some IP from it. So yeah, let's yeah. do it. But now um, we're also turning into but, like subscription hell. <laughs> it's it's gone from yes, yes. buy these individual products to now literally everything is a subscription. I can't just literally. I actually have a uh, I have like a razor, and like I can't just buy the razor. I have to buy the <laughs> subscription. Why the hell yeah. do I have a subscription to a razor? <laughs> I mean, I, I think we've gone a little bit far off the deep end in that respect, and. We've seen that in like the personal consumer industry, and now we're kind of seeing that in the security products industry, which may or may not be a good thing in the long run, but it's it's just it's a matter of fact that's where it's moving. Okay. Yeah, and, and like you, I'm 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 sort of worried about the extent of you wrap all these things into a subscription model. You offer a whole bunch of stuff, right? So it looks it looks lucrative. Uh, but what are you actually getting from that? And when, uh, like, I, I always think of the Microsoft thing where it's like Office 365, like you pay for a personal license at 70 bucks. If you pay for the, you know, business license, it starts at, I think it's like $20 a, or $12 a user or something like that. But if you pay $20 a user, you get security, right? They don't tell you what that is, um, but they lump, some type of security features and with office 365 and Azure services and it's just there. Right. So I see that as something that probably will continue. Um, but also what are you actually getting? And I'm also afraid from the statistic of 43% of attacks Aimed at small business or aimed at small businesses because obviously they don't have the defenses, and only fourteen percent of them are actually prepared. Um, and they use things where it's like subscription-based models of like Azure and whatever, and they say, "Well, I had security, right? I have my checkbox, I have it, right?" Um, and not necessarily know what they're getting. And so when they go to like whatever tools out there. And they're like, well, I've already got security. I don't need that. Um, it comes with my subscription that I pay for every month because I need it for my cloud service or whatever. And not necessarily getting the right tools or just getting something. Um, and sort of worried about that, right? Where it's like, you get you get a tool, but it's probably not the best tool for you or it may not be the best thing out there. Um, they just get a checkbox. It's really... Think will hurt the industry as a yeah, whole. Yeah, I mean, same thing. Uh, it's funny the checkbox thing because the same thing occurred with like. Uh, I won't go too deep into security certifications, but like, right, like it was one of those things that's like, no longer was it a like uh, knowledge test necessarily. It was more of like, oh, do, do is there's this checkbox and hey, guess what else went to subscription based uh, cer- certificates, <laughs> right? And it's just like. Yeah, like, yeah. I, getting back, I mean, onto the topic of like um, the security and, and how I, I think times like this, economic times like this is actually good as well, right? For security, because it, it I think it's going to uh, shed a lot of um, excess off of uh, off of certain entities, right? Like that's the thing is like, it, it, 
it's funny because I'm not an optimist and I'm not necessarily a pessimist. I'm like directly just in between. Like I like legitimately try to think of like good things and bad things. And it's like the good thing I can see from all of this, right, is that companies that that um, are pretty much floating on the we do security type thing um, are probably not going to make it, <laughs> um, it through through these type of uh, trial times. Um, and, and it's going to be, I think, it's going to happen probably with um, a big attack, uh, kind of like solar winds occurred, right? Like when solar winds occurred, like how they, the solar winds was supposed to give you uh, a view of your entire network, right? Like it was supposed to open up and, oh, it opened up everything, right? It gave quite the view to um, people that shouldn't have the view of your network. Uh, but I, I think, yeah, like, like this, these type of times, like it's going to be beneficial to security because I think you're going to see a lot of products either have to pivot to a thing to a more uh, solid uh, technology that's not just hey we do signature on on binaries right like like they're going to have to move into this like uh, not purple team but essentially like both offensive and defensive um, correlation of events that are occurring on systems. In order to get your tool into a entity uh, over the next probably thirty six months, yeah. you're going to have to prove your worth. Yeah, <laughs> essentially, yeah. it's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and and our our industry unfortunately uh, operates. Uh, many companies unfortunately operate as uh, smoke and mirrors, and uh, things the just AI don't work. can solve like, anything. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and, <laughs> Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like it. It's such smoke and mirrors a lot of times. And especially over the last 12 to 48 months of, you know, VCs having as much money as they possibly have. And they're just going to, like, it seems like anything and everything was being <laughs> uh, invested in. Uh, and you'd see something, you'd read yeah. it and be like, what does that even mean? <laughs> um, and uh, uh, yeah, I think hopefully we come out of whatever is going to happen or possibly happen. Um, we come out of that and BC firms have uh, learned mm. a bit. <laughs> in, a, in a way, we need a renaissance of how we think about yeah. security is what, what I've always yeah. kind of had in the back of my mind. I we're so entrenched in applying a lot of military isms to how security is done. And for instance, red team, blue team, purple team. Now we're like getting all these teams and they're doing this model, which fundamentally at its core is kind of ridiculous that a company should be expected to staff an organization that can defend their network against nation states. Like, Sounds like a government function to me. And then buy tools that may or may not actually do what they're supposed to do. Sounds like a QA function for the company selling the product to me. So we're pushing a lot of onus onto individual companies to do a lot of stuff. And they're having to pay for it out of hide. And that wouldn't fly in like any other industry. And, and I think one of the things that our industry is really bad about when it comes to how we communicate is that we try to obfuscate our communication and make it sound like we're doing things that are much harder than they actually are. It's like, 
use these complex terms like process injection and like all these things that sound really interesting and complicated and discovering them certainly is complicated but in terms of what's actually functionally happening there it's not anything that's crazy or or difficult right um, and you can go read about it online and it's pretty easy to do but i think there's a lot of that layering of obfuscation over time has created this air of uh aggrandization almost and that 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 obfuscation has turned in also to something where it's like my data is worth a lot right and i don't want to share any of it um and but if they were to share that uh then they could share the costs uh that it would be associated with uh, securing everyone right um but there always seems to be like you know thinking back from times in academia where it's like we went to every single pretty much every single uh a bank in the state of Florida and said, Hey, if you're willing to start share your data, like we could have it in this one center, it's government controlled and all that other stuff. Like it's secure, it's fine. Uh, and this will help everyone. And everybody pretty much just said, no. <laughs> Talked about how kind of like tools are going to have to be fleshed out. Right. during this time. And I think the same thing goes into the actual workforce as well. Right. Like um, a lot of people, I feel get into like, I've never been a big thing on like, like offensive or defensive as a, like a, as like, that's what my role is. Right. Like I only do that because technically in order to do offensive, right. Like you have to, you know what you're looking for. So you should be able to do some sort of defense as well. And the same thing goes with defense, right? Like if I'm sitting there and I know that, that this, this like access to this file is a flag for me. Right. Well, then I would know from the offensive side that I would go after that file. Like, like I think what it goes, like, like you said, there's these terms that like red team, blue team and all of that. And it's like purple team to me is like the Jack of all trades type term, right. Where it's like, you know, computers, <laughs> you know, that they're insecure and you know, a way to secure them. Right. Like, I, I feel like you're going to, those are the, the, the type of, um, uh, jobs and as well as like, uh, tools that are going to make it through like the, the hard times, but purple team to me is more of like a maturity of, uh, of gaining more maturity in um, how we think about security. Um, so like, we've had this two-minded approach of mm. you have your SOC analysts, blue team people, and then you've got your offensive people or whatever. And now we've kind of realized like, yeah, that's probably not a good idea yeah. that those people don't talk to one another <laughs> and they're all, they're both in, in two separate offices and they just happen to, you know, sort of align. It's sort of like, we're still at this point where I guarantee you, if you go to a bigger company and you go ask the network engineers what they think about the security <laughs> engineers, they will hate them. Probably. <laughs> and the security engineers will not, they'll probably not be as um, forthcoming, but they probably don't like the network engineers either or think that they're not adequate enough. And uh, there's that struggle. And that's the next maturity level, I think, is like security people they have to be more or organized with IT and network 
and even like IT sometimes and networking is separated and like that doesn't make any sense. And the data center people are separated from that and that doesn't make sense. And like there has to be this maturity within security. Well, not just security, but in tech in general to be like, we operate as one. <laughs> um, and yeah, there's probably going to be people that are or purple team focused because it's stupid to just have people focus on offensive or to have people just focused on defensive techniques. I, I think that's There's, not even enough in a lot of ways. I, I'm My hope is that companies start taking vendors to task over the products that they're providing and, and, and course, demanding yeah. <laughs> that these products prove and or do what they say they're doing. And I, I kind of have a vignette on, on this that might explain my thoughts and Bart, you're familiar. So we had the, uh, we had like a, a weapon system in the military and a weapon system in the military is deployed to various different areas, but it all is managed by a PMO program management office. So that PMO is in charge of like the, the development of that, that weapon system. And then fielding all the updates down to the units that are actually leveraging that particular weapon system. So what was happening is a lot of the individual weapon systems themselves were having security assessment teams come in and do mission analysis and and looking for doing doing essentially what is a red team but also more of a purple team and and looking at that system figuring out where centers of gravity are and helping the local team stand up a defensive unit that can harden those areas and after going to you know five, six, seven of these things and doing the exact same thing over and over again, the question was always asked, why are we not just going back to the PMO and saying, your, your stuff is hot garbage. We need to, to assess it at here and stop this before it gets fielded downrange. And I think what it ultimately boils down to is there's no QA process that can do that further upstream so you have these further downstream problems where companies are dealing with across their entire product spectrum gaps that are not being addressed because they don't have the QA at higher levels to actually show the effectiveness of the tool to accomplish a certain task. And I mean, there are many ways we can go about solving that and you're starting to see like sec devops right like integrating security into your devops pipeline but devops is just like good software development practices integrating good security into goods and having a like pre-provisioned stacks and doing doing security paved road models so that security is baked in from the get-go and then you have qa that's checking that security as it's going through the various stages like we need to be long story short, cutting this problem off at the source. And and overall, right, the goal is to bring down spend because I think the number for next year is like $175 billion estimated. And it's just going to continue to grow. And companies don't have an infinite amount of money, obviously. So how can we start decreasing costs? And I think the ultimate answer is basically holding these vendors accountable for, for the products they're selling. Yeah. Yeah, definitely holding accountable. Like, if you say you do something, it better do it, right? And, or at least have a good chance of catching whatever it's supposed to catch or do whatever it's supposed to do. Like, there's so many 
things out there today that just don't either work or they say they work and they may work a little bit. What's crazy um, is some of these and- some of these threat groups, some of these ransomware groups, like their product service <laughs> and their uptime is yeah. better than <laughs> that of like actual yeah. real companies. That should not happen. Yeah. But and, and no. that, that goes into the way that like, I mean, even <laughs> being in the military, right? Like when I were working for the military, I should say when I when I was a contractor is like, it's insane to see companies right come up and be like hey we want to what what's your what capabilities do you need right and uh, and they'll list all these capabilities but they never give them a way to test if those capabilities were actually made right like like legitimately it's insane because like they spend millions of dollars on like oh this is a custom-made program by this huge contracting company blah, blah 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 and like they get it and it doesn't work right and then it's like did you not have like a, a standardized way of like, you're supposed to be using this, you know, accreditation and uh, I forgot what the actual is. Uh, there's like a special um, uh, acronym, of course, uh, for like the accreditation. Yeah. And they right? spend tons and, of money on like, the it's accreditation like, it's like, too. <laughs> and then you see like, as it gets passed through and it's like, oh yeah, well, uh, we're just going to sign that off anyways, because it, it, like, it doesn't matter right now. Right. And it's like, people are so... It, people don't want to look bad right they 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 went the the you know think of the military like the the colonel or whatever looked at the the catalog and mm-hmm. bought most of the stuff and then they don't want to look bad uh and get not get their promotion and uh they're they know they're gonna leave in in three months anyways four months anyways and they just like all right just sign it off and yeah. it'll go and well, it's crazy because like one of, one of the on things the that like <laughs> we used um when, when i was doing like a, a cpt stuff right is um which is cyber protection team so kind of like hunters right like go to networks and try to figure out if uh, what's occurring and it was like we had these these systems that we would bring with us and they were designed and custom built right with nothing that we needed like it was it was insane like before we would go out we would nuke the system and put in everything that we needed right and it's like like they were built for us like how were they built for us if apparently they don't have anything on them that we actually use well i think that goes into the whole that's an entirely different beast in my opinion that i think the weapon systems weren't built to be effective they were built as a means to create funding pipelines for tooling training inside the military and they didn't actually care what it was what was considered part of the weapon system they're just like throw some shit together because then we can palm for it and we get annual funding O&M. We can put a training pipeline against it. But that's the same thing that's happening in security, right? (laughs) Is that people are going out and they're saying, these are our capabilities, right? You might never even use those capabilities or those capabilities might not even fulfill the purpose that they were designed for. And there's no way to check it. There's, There's zero ways to check it other than when you actually get pwned and you're like, Oh crap, that capability didn't work. Wait, it says it does that. Oh, but it used a different technique when it was doing it. Like, like and that's this thing, right? It's like everybody wants to buy capabilities, but nobody wants to buy uh, uh, testing for the capabilities is what it comes down to. It's like, I, I can spout all day that my security product can do X, Y, and Z, but if, if, I, if no one's going to test it in that way, then you'll never know, right? 
as you can see. I also think that's sort of like a, you know, we thinking of going through university and like doing an engineering degree and it's always like, you know, like you, you have to be whatever you're doing, like you're kind of taught early on. It's like, whatever you're doing, like you have to make sure that like it does what you say it's going to do because well, if it doesn't, then someone could drive over a bridge and then, well, you know, they die. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so like that thing needs to be that, that sort of philosophy needs to also be applied to security in some ways. It's like, if you're a security engineer, like you also like need to be accountable for the things that you're you're creating, writing, and the security in, uh, like industry in a whole needs to hold themselves accountable. Like, if you say something does something, like it damn well better do it, right? Like, um, and it shouldn't be just like, uh, well, you know, we sold it to a business and they took it, and we'll keep developing on it or whatever, and maybe well, it'll and work it comes someday. down to the, like the like <laughs> um, we solve this problem right in like English, right? which is where like, like English, the class, not necessarily, but a rubric, right? Like that's what a rubric is. It's like, I get this grading rubric and it's like, I can go through, I can write whatever I want, details, ideas, as long as it meets the rubric, right? Like as long as these things are done and it's all standardized tests. And like I said, it's like the type thing, like that's, that's how I, I imagine it, right? Is like people come out with these like security products and it's like, there's no rubric. Like it's legitimately just like, Oh yeah, it does this. It does this. It does this. And there's zero ways, right. They're not going to open their source code to you. Probably they're not going to let you see anything like that. Like you, you can't one for one look through and say, okay, this capability is here and it's working as intended um, with, without some sort of yeah standardization. The, the market needs to change. And maybe if, if we see any positivity <laughs> coming uh, in the next 12 months, 24 months, uh, is that hopefully, uh, some of the, the, the fluff, uh, gets, uh, pushed out of the market and people learn from, from it. Um, especially considering like, you know, VCs and small businesses have been up, you know, pretty much applying money to anyone, <laughs> um, that there's probably more fluff in the market than there's ever been. And uh, hopefully uh, all of that gets rooted out and we learn our lessons. Um, and for the small companies um, and even larger companies that are doing security, like now's the time, you know, <laughs> put up or shut up. Um, and, and that we actually get uh, a good, something good out of it. <laughs> Yeah, especially as you know, I think companies too. Like um, now is the time to start looking for things, right? Like who knows what will happen in the next twelve months? Um, whether you have budgets or not, like now is the time to start looking and and seeing how you're going to spend your budgets and um, be more proactive, um, but also kind of waiting maybe a little bit of waiting to see like where, where things fall. I think um, just in terms of, you know, you can't evaluate every company, right? Like you kind of hope like, uh, <laughs> hopefully this works. Um, because like, like, like you said, Sam, like th they're not selling their testing equipment <laughs> uh, and who knows if they're doing the testing or not. And that's the part of that due diligence process. And 
I mean, if if you have skeleton crews or your small business or whatever, it's not like you can you can do a full due diligence and hope that everything works. And so like now's that time to like look and start being proactive. Most people in security don't have any idea what's going on in security. So how can we expect these yeah. small businesses or or 99% of the US to have any idea what anyone is talking about. <laughs> it is. I mean, it starts, I think it starts off with, like you said, like going through, looking through the products that you have, figure out, hey, where's the overlap on these products, right? And then look at uh, a third party entity or something, right? That can essentially test them to your scenarios, right? Like, like to, like, we need to do a lot better on uh, threat modeling as it is, right? And like figuring out like my company is probably susceptible to these attacks or these type of um, these type of threat actors are going to look at my company like um, and looking at the products that you have and saying, OK, you know, let's cut all the excess stuff that we have here and, you know, get down to stuff that works and, um, and companies that are open and allowing like, and figuring out, Hey, you know, this is what our product is doing. We're, we're not hiding anything from it. Yeah. And, and to be clear, like from a budget standpoint, like I, I don't think that budgets are going to be cut or whatever. I think it's more of like, we always get to this point and this happens in just technology in general. But you always get to the point where it's like the end of the quarter or it's end of the end of the year and people are like it's it's always the companies that are like probably more smoke and mirrors especially from security that's like reaching out at the end of the year and like oh can you have budget <laughs> like can we sell you something like that is not <laughs> that that's how you end up with companies that are still around that uh are just selling smoke and mirrors right like like, of course, like if you need a tool, you need a tool, but it's like, do you, like, that's, that's a time to do due diligence, right? <laughs> like, um, so I'm not supposed to offer an update only at the end of the fiscal year. No, I'm just <laughs> like, right. Like essentially that's, it's what it looks like. It's like, oh, well, that's weird. This new product, like you guys come out with one update a year. It's right at the end of the fiscal year and wow, insane. So we're hitting up on time here, but I think this was a great overall conversation about the economy, security, and just a taste of what is going on in the security community right now. So that's going to do it for this week's episode of Overture, the Prelude podcast. We'll be back again next month for another episode of Overture. If you like this podcast, please consider giving us a like and subscribe so you don't miss out on any of our newest episodes. Overture is distributed on all major podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, our blog at feed.prelude.org, and on YouTube. We'll see you again next month. Till then, Prelude out.